it's the History Woes Podcast. I'm Morgan. I'm Lexi. Heck yeah. That was two out of two. Man, we know how to intro a podcast now. <laughs> it only took 30 episodes. What's up, guys? Yeah, man. Uh, we just we did one already. Uh, this is our second episode. Yeah, so we're that double we can recording. Get... Now we can drink, because the other one was serious. Now I can drink. I'm probably not going to drink too much, though. I can't even party if I want to anymore, man. Yeah. I started drinking, and I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm going to get drunk and then uh my body was like bitch if you ain't drink some water right now and then i drank like two and a half glasses of water really fast oh, look. you know we need that too hydration's important i so a i turned 34 this week it's Yay! been a really good week mm-hmm. for both of us mm-hmm. um i turned 34 this week um and so last night was my very first friday night as a 34 year old i was in bed by 10 45 girl i couldn't even go home with you. I was like, I gotta go home. Yeah, <laughs> I'm tired. Come over and hang out. I would know um, we went out, and yeah. then I was like, I gotta go home. We I'm went sorry. to like a wine restaurant, mm-hmm. and we had we each had like four mini glasses of wine. Yeah, and I was and like, then I'm, dinner, I can't. and then we were like, all right, well, bye. <laughs> it's bed. It's not night time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I turned thirty four this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, we went to a very fancy dinner, mm-hmm. which was delicious. Mm-hmm. I had an amazing steak. It was all I fucking wanted. Nice. Um, and then. Tuesday. Tuesday, we went to go see Hamilton, <laughs> Hamilton. together. It was so, so good. good. Yeah, we saw it with Michael, uh, my sister Kelly, and my cousin Christy, and it was an amazing time. If it comes to your city, or if it comes kind of even close to your city, I highly recommend that you uh, buy tickets. They're fairly economical, but just if you're just buying them for yourself. Um, we sat like on the highest part, and I think we paid like 42 bucks, not including all the service fees, because those will get you. Yeah. And you ended up being like 60, 60 bucks. Yeah, but we were still right all. in the middle. Yeah, and... you could see everything that was going on. It was fine. Yeah, and the performers were outstanding. Yeah, so. it was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Highly, highly, highly recommend it and then we did eric was in town as you know we had oh. a friend we had a friend in town yeah. everything happened this week and, and it then, seemed like it was eighteen thousand years long and then we had another friend in town wednesday another night. patreon we met up with simone her, simone uh we met up with her mm-hmm. um and met up and her lovely husband and yeah. we, we went to uh, the spookeasy here yeah. in tampa then we uh, had we amazing a... cuban sandwiches <gasps> yeah we went to flan factory Home um, of the best Cuban sandwich in Tampa. Yeah. And then Thursday, uh, and Michael and I like, were both like, we're like, can we please stay in? Can mm-hmm. we please not go anywhere? We don't know how to do this anymore. <laughs> um, and then last night we went out with another friend who was in town. Kira. Uh, yeah. One of our one of our besties that we work with. I work with, ex-co-worker for you, but yeah. still good friend. Yes. Um, and then today we went to a dog foam party. Yeah. <laughs> and it was amazing. And my week was like amazing but it wasn't half excited as exciting as your week Tell you, found, every... you found your wedding dress this week oh and i found my wedding dress this week which is cool because i'm eloping in two weeks <laughs> and i was cutting it close but you know truly i am nothing if not a procrastinator so me too how would we have it any other way me too um yeah so how was your week because you had a big week and i'm so, so excited well i mean most you. of that was spent with you so like basically well, the only thing that I, you weren't with me for was yesterday which is when i made a presentation to uh the board uh at uh for my job and the ceo was there 
Um, and I won second place. And you know, I'm really cool with it. It was like a competition. It was competition. And there's like, I think right around 13 to 15 people who's, so at first they put out like a thing and everybody could submit their ideas. Um, they called them game changer ideas that would basically really benefit the company. So everybody submitted their ideas and they picked a select few. I did not expect that I would be picked. (laughs) I, uh, but I was, and then uh, they're like, okay, you're going to come present to the, the board. And I'm like, that sounds scary. And then they were like, okay, everyone from Tampa, because not everybody that I work with lives in Tampa. There's like, they're all over the U.S. Yeah. Um, they're like, anybody who's in the Tampa, who around the Tampa area can come into the office to watch too. I'm like, whew, that's even scarier. And then they're like, you know what? We're going to set a Zoom link and then everybody can watch. I'm like, okay. And, so and if you were in Tampa, you went into the office. Also, if you were from out of state and presenting you would be flown yes in and they put this. you up in a hotel i didn't get that experience that's okay i think i was, I was probably more comfortable because i was on home turf and like yeah. i could go home at the end of the day and i think and i think that made me feel a little bit better um but yeah i won second place and i'm really comfortable with that because the people who won first place were like they presented and we all knew we were in we're competing for second place um and then they're like at the very end i was like this is way after uh the the, the announcements and then uh, our friend here was like you know, you get money. I was like, what? I, got money. <laughs> I thought that I just got my trophy, which is like a really pretty trophy. I was like, oh, this is perfect. I'm so happy to have this thing. Um, I don't, I was, but I mean, I'll take it. I will take the money. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, and then on Thursday, so I, did, I haven't spent a night at home like this whole week because on Thursday, when you guys probably stayed in, I was out. They took us out to the Columbia, which is like a very fancy restaurant. They had the lady, um, I think she's like the either the daughter or granddaughter who's like from like one of like the owners come in. Oh, one of the generational yeah. owners and come in. She like thanked everybody yeah. and so that was really cool. And I one sat on smarts. I don't remember yeah. her name. Yeah, and I got to I talked a little bit with my CEO there and then I sat at a table with like the people who are like just under her, like board members, um, like three of them. And I was like That's how, so exciting. I was like, How did I pick this table? I'm so nervous. But legitimately and i'm not just saying this because i did tell them all the name of my uh podcast (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) girl they were introducing me and they uh and i don't remember putting this in my intro like the thing i sent to them like she also has a podcast and the guy who's our legal guy was like history woes oh no (laughs) it's like oh no they're all gonna listen well i um, hope they i hope they enjoy it you guys are the best company ever i told them i was like i do use some adult language just i just need you to know that <laughs> but and by some we mean a lot we mean a lot and <laughs> i don't do it on purpose i don't mean to be a potty mouth but it happens uh Listen. sometimes we talk about very serious things i get it i'm passionate um <laughs> <laughs> and uh but yeah and I, again i'm not just saying this but like we really do have like some of the most approachable nice people that we're for especially uh the guy who's in legal he was so, he was like so humble i had a whole conversation with him he's like yeah i'm from tampa and i'm like oh cool so you went to school around here he's like no harvard <laughs> and then i congratulated this 50 year old something man i was like congratulations because in my head the only reference i have for this is the gilmore girls and <laughs> how hard rory worked to get into harvard and i was like you must have worked really hard <laughs> congratulations <laughs> and he was so cool he was like thanks and then he talked to me and he remembered my name and it's always like Aww. I'm so bad at remembering names so like the fact that he remembered my name 
always is like a, a nice thing, like much like the lady at Two Shepherds who yeah. always remembers everyone's name. Um, yeah, our bartender today at Two Shepherds, um, where the puppy foam party was, which if you've never been to one, truly the definition of chaotic good environment, <laughs> yeah. it's amazing. But the bartender there, we hadn't seen her there in a while, and like mm. we've been out because like my face and everything, so there was like a delay in seeing her, and Michael was. You know, just talking to her like, oh, yeah, you know, like, we're off to a good 2023, but we had a rough end to mm-hmm. 2022, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, just explaining all the crap with that. And she's like, oh, my gosh. And I'm like, so how are you? And she's like, well, my baby's six months old now. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, that's amazing. Good for you. And Michael leans over to me. He's like, was she pregnant? I don't ever remember seeing her being pregnant. She was. So I guess I'm the only one that noticed. I had no idea. But she was one of those people who didn't get a lot of weight with it. Okay. It was just all belly. Gotcha. But, um... Yeah, she would wear, like, bigger t-shirts and then, like, a hoodie over it. Gotcha. But, um, yeah, it was funny. Michael's like, I feel bad. I, she <laughs> remembers our name every time we walk in here, and I don't Multiple remember her Multiple of them do. Pregnant. And I'm just like, yeah. hey, y'all know my name? Um, and we're not even in there a lot. No. But... I don't go there much. Yeah. But like, we go there more because, like, it's, yeah, it's close for you guys. We don't have a yard here, and it's, yeah. you know, eight minutes from our apartment, and mm-hmm. our dog can run around and get some energy out. Um, yeah but anyway yeah, yeah a great week i'm so proud of you thank you i think i think the only reason i even did as well as i did was because i got to sit with like some of the judges and like they were so cool that i was like all right they're just this. people <laughs> we can people and they're are all very people. nice um to quote regina specter but to quote regina specter people yeah. are just people like you <laughs> And we all like, talked about like favorite comedians and like uh like top performers that we like. Oh, that's fun. Um, and some of them have really fun stories about Lady Gaga and like, <laughs> yeah. Um, and they all talked about like what they were spending all their money on. And oh my gosh, one of the guys who was sitting right next to me, so his his son really loves car washes. Mm-hmm. And they're talking about like things, and they're and everybody started talking about like what they what they spend a lot of money on and. Everybody started talking about, like, car washes that they go to, and I was like, oh my gosh, please don't ask me if I go to what car wash I would. I'm like, sorry, I, I drive a Fiesta. <laughs> I did not want to have to say that. Um, Were you just like, my husband? <laughs> that's the game I, that's a card I would have pulled. Like, oh, I don't wash my I'm car. I'm sorry, I don't do that. Uh, no, but then, like, the one guy who said bourbon, and I was like, that's cool. And the guy was like, really expensive Japanese golf clubs, fishing reels. Oh, no, and I knew it was coming to me. They were going around the table, and I was like... Um, I don't really spend a lot of money, <laughs> you know, kind of smaller pursuits. It's like guitar, uh, the guitar I took from my dad, <laughs> and then, you know, I have a podcast that we promote ourselves. Um, yeah, I do, I do a lot of indoor things. I read. Uh, I was like, yeah, I don't really spend. I'm an indoor cat. <laughs> I'm an indoor cat. <laughs> I was like, I don't know how to. I, I don't I feel really... like sometimes you get like fancy with the wine and stuff. I think the most money I've ever spent on a on a bottle of wine was fifty dollars. That's a lot of money to spend on a bottle. One... Of yeah, wine. it is. It is. It is. Don't get me wrong, but for I like think a that Tuesday. was like... one time ever. True. It was for this podcast. I, like <laughs> I don't know. All right, I also am an indoor cat. Right. I was and like, to me, I like my biggest on... expenditure was like. When I was on the kick of getting my nails done semi-regularly. Yeah, yeah, and I was like, oh, cost. this is the height of luxury. That and Instacart. Yo, you got me on that. I have not I don't see why you should get set off of it. foot in a fucking grocery store <laughs> since. Yeah. I I do not go grocery shopping. Yeah. That is like my once I graduated, 
and like started making like almost grown up money. Mm -hmm. That was the one thing that I was like, oh no, this is my one bougie mm -hmm. signature. Like I'm not going to be a pain in the ass about anything else. Yeah. Like I still drive my same car. Everything yeah. else is still the same. Uh, my apartment is still crappy, mm -hmm. but <laughs> damn it, I don't have to go grocery shop. It's my favorite bougie thing. Yeah. I would have said that at a table full of people. And I'm <laughs> like, oh no, my luxury item is I get my shit delivered. I don't. Yeah, I, I don't. That's I don't for typically... peasants walking into a grocery <laughs> store. That is not my life. I don't typically go into the store anymore. I typically do the one where I go pick it up because I don't like having to pay for tipping and the delivery mm -mm. fee. Mm -mm. It goes to <laughs> Jessica. I don't care. <laughs> I'm here for Jessica, my delivery person. I don't actually know what their name is. Yeah. I'm just I, rolling with Jessica today. Yeah. I typically just go ahead and drive over there. But it's also very close. It's really close. And the traffic is not bad. Yeah, but... I don't have a good excuse. Um, <laughs> you don't need an excuse. That's the thing you spend money on. That's yeah, that's fine. my thing. That's, that's my, okay. That's my thing. Okay. Um, yeah. Um, ooh, speaking of money things we have a new patreon subscriber someone likes us enough to donate money to us every month so just you know shout out and thank you to our newest patreon member alicia ah, thank um, you alicia so excited uh, i believe it was last week i don't know it's weird for us with the double recordings right now i think it was last week we told you guys about her artwork yes um that joyful sits... opossums yes it sits in a place of honor on my desk actually right next to it is my trophy i got <laughs> I love it. It's that one of the pictures from Hamilton with the the three sisters on mm -hmm. top of the star, and then my trophy fork and my possum picture. <laughs> I love it. Um, I she just got like stuff on Redbubble, so I need to order. There's like a Ooh. tote bag I really want and a journal I really want. Okay, um, so I need to buy those. Um, but yeah, so thank you. Um, send us your Patreon requests for any history shit you want to hear. Yeah, send them in. We would love to, you know. Tell stories you're interested in. So, yeah, and sure. thank you so much for your support. We appreciate it. Um, eventually, it's going to go to getting us better sound equipment. So, hey. you know. Thank you. <laughs> um, yeah. I don't. Yeah. Do we have anything else? I don't think about? so. I think we just covered pretty much everything. All right. Well, then. I guess we'll snap to it. <laughs> yeah. Um. So today, do you want to tell the people what our episode's about? Yeah, we're deciding to keep it close to home and talk about tech crimes. Yeah. Technological crimes. Yeah, um, the, we're both doing, like, pretty big hacks that occurred. Yeah, right? pretty darn big. <laughs> From when I, I don't know, yeah, pretty darn big. Yeah. Um. So we're, um, I guess, I assume people know this. We both work in the field of cybersecurity, yeah. or at least cybersecurity adjacent. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's, you know, something we both went to school for. We're both fairly passionate about. Um, so I thought, you know, this would be, well, we both thought it would be a fun episode for us to do. Yes, I thought so too. Um, um, yeah. Uh, for our wine today, we oh, pretty much... Uh, yeah, I guess we should talk about that, huh? Uh, yeah. Can you tell this is the second episode we're recording, <laughs> guys? Yeah, so we're pretty much keeping it as the same wine that we opened for... Last uh, episode, our last episode but you don't know about that so you one don't. second we will still tell you about it yeah um mostly just because we didn't want to open two bottles of wine because that seems wasteful because we weren't going to drink two bottles of wine tonight that is true and the other option we had was a sparkling bottle and then you um, have to drink it and then you're night. committed yeah and we have things to do tomorrow yeah like... i'm 34 now i'm old i have to get up early on sunday mornings That's i am not mostly a lie early but... but i'm gonna clean my 
laundry and sleeping. Ooh, I bet I could go to yoga tomorrow morning. You can do that. I'm old, guys. <laughs> Damn, did you just hear that? Anyway. Uh, so we have the Calaveda wine. Um, mm-hmm. It is a Pinot Noir out of California. Um, do, 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 2021. Made from Calaveda Cellars in Napa, California. Ooh, I could go here in a couple weeks when you we're could. in Napa. And get owl merchandise. I could. They we're not on my list, but perhaps they shall be. Um, it says Calaveda honors Minerva, the goddess of wisdom, whose spirit guards our finest California vineyards. Um, you're gonna hear that same shtick again in <laughs> three weeks. <laughs> um But yeah, it's it's good. It's um, it's a bit sweeter. It's owl forward than what I'm. <laughs> it's owl forward. <laughs> it's a bit sweeter than what I'm used to. Do you still have some, or do you? Yeah, have? I've still got some. Um, and it's a Pinot Noir. Um, it's heavy on the plum, heavy on the vanilla. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is delightful. It's one of the ones uh, my father-in-law got me in my bundle mm-hmm. of <laughs> the uh, Kennedy bundle. Yes, of uh, wine for. Christmas. Mm-hmm. So that was very nice. Yes. All right. So cheers. Yeah. Cheers. Also, our old uh, wine glasses perished this week in oh, the no. uh, sink. So may they rest in peace. We are using our gorgeous stainless steel glasses that don't cheers great, but are very pretty. Um, yeah. I agree. They are very pretty. Mm-hmm. Mm-mm-mm. Okay, so let's crack into right. it. Yep, sorry. So, today's episode... Um, <laughs> it's brought ours... to you by the letter M. <laughs> I'm sorry. Or, good. <laughs> uh, so, today, our stories are a bit more technical than usual. Uh, so, first, I'm going to bore everyone with a couple definitions. Um, if you're pretty computer savvy, you can just go ahead and skip ahead, like, 30 seconds. Um, I think everyone at this point is familiar with the concept of computer viruses and malware, but if for some reason you aren't, malware is a software written explicitly to cause harm or disruption. Uh, this is frequently used to do things like gain unauthorized access to information, um, interfering with security and privacy, or causing like a disruption in computer communications. Mm-hmm. A virus is a type of malware that replicates and causes harm inserting its own malicious code into an existing program. A vulnerability in this context is a weakness in a system uh, that can be taken advantage of and exploited. I just had, I think I just had like a PTSD flashback to to school. (laughs) To Cyber 101. Yes. Sorry. I just, I was like, oh, (laughs) oh my. (laughs) Um, but yeah, I want to make sure people understand. No, no, definitely worth it. Uh, I have definitions in mind too. And, um, and to understand my story specifically, um, there's ransomware, which is a form of malware that will hold computer data ransom by encrypting it. And the information hopefully, uh, will be decrypted after a ransom has been paid. Um, encryption nowadays is a motherfucker to crack. So attempting Mm -hmm. to actually break that isn't really an option for people right but it's one of those kind of things of like honor among thieves because if people if they don't give you back your data then no one's ever going to pay the ransomware again so people typically tend to to give you back your shit well uh you hope i said typically typically not always Um, yes um do do do, there was something else i wanted to note 
you don't, we'll come across it. Mm -hmm. Um, there was something else I want to talk about that I forgot. Oh, we're getting old. Are we called some of it used to be? Anyway. Also concussions. Also concussions. (laughs) You have more reason than Uh, others. (laughs) Um, anyway. So, currently, Russia is at war with Ukraine. What? Sorry. Yeah, yeah, I knew that. I'm trying to pretend like it's new. It's not. It's always been. It's been almost a year. Yeah, it does. We're coming up on the one year anniversary. Devastating. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Yes, they are. Um, but before the real physical attacks started, digital attacks were underway. Uh, and one of those attacks uh, was a virus called Petya. Uh, it which is P E T Y A. Uh, Petya caused some problems. It it <laughs> did, but not not as much as another one. We're going to talk about. Today. All right. Um, it was first discovered in 20, March of 2016, and it was hailed as the next evolution of ransomware. This is because it had both a payload, which is, like, the executable of the that's, virus. That's when the bomb detonates. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, but it also had a backup payload. Oh. So it was a two-step. So if one failed, another thing would happen. Okay. And this was the first time that we've seen that. Okay. Um, it would attack Windows-based systems, so the operating system, Windows. Oh. Um, and it would encrypt the master boot record, which is what contains the most basic information of a hard drive. It right. tells the hard drive, like, how to start the operating system. It gives the hard drive its name, and it tells it its filing system, like, how to It's like crippling the nervous, files. the central nervous system of your computer. Yes, and whereas previous ransomware items would just encrypt the encrypt, files. Encrypt the data, yeah. Well, it would encrypt the files. Yeah. This encrypted the file system. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, so, and this is the first time they've seen something like that. Fancy. And when you do something like this, the operating system can't start without having the instructions of how to start. Because mm-hmm. computers only know how to do what they're instructed to do. They're very, uh, 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 put your hands over your ears, computers. They're dumb. Like, they're smart, but they're dumb. Yeah. Like, they only know what you tell they're them They're only do. as smart as the people very, who develop them. They're very specific in their sh- instructions that they execute. Mm-hmm. So, uh, once encrypted, it would show a skull and crossbones in what's called ASCII text. That is not original. <laughs> um, <laughs> and it would demand a payment via Bitcoin. And then it starts laughing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> exactly right. It was like this um, throwing it back to war games and shit. And then, um, so it spread through people opening infected email attachments. Think oh, before you bitch. click, people. Not to <laughs> steal my company's catchphrase, but think before you click. Uh, and it was given the name Petya after one of the Russian satellites carrying an atomic bomb in the James Bond movie Goldeneye. Uh. Um, then, a little later, uh, we have. The WannaCry virus, uh, oh which made headlines fucking everywhere. I'll say, back to Cyber 101. Yeah. Um, so all of this was in my, like, 17. This was my, like, second year in my cybersecurity program. I don't remember hearing about Petcha, but WannaCry, obviously. So Petcha was, was, like, six months before WannaCry. But right. WannaCry was made every major news headline. My, one of my senior, not, it wasn't my senior project, but one of my, like, last senior cl- classes... I made a virtual machine and demonstrated deployment of WannaCry yeah. and showed how it uh, encrypted all the files. Yeah. It was very um, good at what it did. It it was. Mm-hmm. It was. That is, yes. 
Also, good project idea. Not a problem. <laughs> it was a good project idea. Thank you. Uh, but yeah, so WannaCry made headlines everywhere. Uh, it was a ransomware that uh, it came to infamy, I guess, uh, when it encrypted hospital software yep. on both sides of the pond. It was a huge, expensive, nasty problem. Mm-hmm. Um, but WannaCry was an attack that took advantage of an exploit, uh, which is an attack on a vulnerability, uh, called Eternal Blue. Eternal Blue was initially believed to have been developed by the NSA, thanks America, uh, which took advantage of a vulnerability in, again, fucking Windows machines, uh, through the SMB port or the server message block. The easiest way I have to explain this is like the base form of how computers access information over a network. Like that base level of communication is how that exploit moved. Mm-hmm. Um, and this vulnerability, uh, it came to light in March of 2017, was when they found this vulnerability. We knew in March that this was a problem. However, yeah, patch that up. <laughs> some problems take time to solve. Yeah. And if it's a new problem, it takes time to solve it. Mm-hmm. WannaCry took place in May of 2017 yep. because the problem had not been patched. But surely, after this, we patched it, right? Well, that's, ins- that's even assuming that the people who are running the software uh, deployed their patches. So what's insane <laughs> to me is... So there, there currently exists a patch for... What is it? Eternal Blue. The, yeah. there, a patch exists for this. Yeah. When you buy a new Windows machine mm-hmm. today... You still have to install that patch. It is not something that is automatically built into the software. That's weird. That is um, asinine. Yeah. But Windows, what can you do? Um, so. I said that Russia had been u- attacking Ukraine for years at this point, right? Um, there's one particular Russian military hacking group called Sandworm. Um, they were our... Uh, just especially effective and ruthless. Uh, they would target media outlets, railways, power stations. They caused the first ever widespread blackout induced by hackers, and these would occur during cold Ukrainian winters. Yeah. In June of 2017, using both the Eternal Blue exploit and something called Mimic hats, which without getting too technical, um, it was created by a researcher to demonstrate that Windows machines left users' passwords available in the computer's memory. So once a hacker gained access to a computer, Mimikatz could pull those passwords out of RAM, the random access memory of um. a machine. And use it to hack into other machines. Yes. Ah, Sorry. (laughs) I'm sorry. So Um, it's not something that you can find, but Mimikatz was created in a way specifically to get this information. So if you're a hacker without Mimikatz, if if things are securely configured, you shouldn't be able to get that. But Mimikatz proved that this, the data still exists in the RAM long enough for hackers to obtain it. Fun fact, everyone. Um, Interestingly, when you... uh, 
a couple of fun facts. Uh, one, that shouldn't have been stored in plain text. Meaning... No, so the thing is, it's a it's a fundamental part of how Windows runs. Oh, they should fix that. Um, so it's not one of those things where it's like store. So it's like a resid. I don't. I don't know how to explain it again. I didn't want to get too technical. I didn't gotcha. read a lot into it, but it uh, is like a residual memory. So it's gone the way. Okay. So yeah. So, so basically you write too hard on a notepad. You throw away the page that has the stuff on it yeah. and then the page under it, you can do the pencil thing yeah. over. That is what Mini does. Right. So, so basically also like, and, and that's actually something that's really easily like you can buy software like that so like say you you like wipe your hard drive or something there's software you can buy to recover that and the reason is is because just because something is deleted does not mean that that thing is actually gone it just means that that space is rewritable now yes so there can so it basically just frees up the space and then new things can be added on to take up that space but it doesn't mean that that thing is deleted that's how we catch a lot of bad guys but, Not we, so, but uh, forensic computer people. Yes. So your your passwords A should never be stored in clear text. And but Mimikatz is one of those things that's created to get it even if it's not. Yeah. Which is Ooh, insane. Boy. I don't fully understand how it works because frankly I haven't looked into it. Um, but it's one of those things where like you can have a decent security posture and we'll talk about it, but like it's not like passwords are just being like transmitted via clear text or stored in clear text. It's this specific system was created to prove to Windows, like a researcher made it to prove to Windows that this mm -hmm. was happening. Because oh. Windows was like, no, it's not. Oh. And the researcher was like, bitch, yes, it is. Oh. So, this exploit, use, or this virus, uses the Eternal Blue exploit and Mimikatz together. Oh. So, it could use them to hack into machines. That could be accessed. So basically, it would hack into a machine, and then it could hack into every other machine that had the same credentials. Ooh. And if you had a multi-user computer on a network, it would allow an automated attack to go from machine to machine to oh, machine to machine to machine. No. It okay. would have everyone's credentials. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> that's a, nobody wants that. That's a, that's a nasty piece of work. Before it's brilliant. Well, yeah, it's also brilliant. I'm trying not to be. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, before not patches launch, uh, Microsoft had released a patch for its Eternal Blue vulnerability, but Eternal Blue and Mimikatz together were nothing short of virulent. Nonetheless, <laughs> yeah. Um, you could infect computers that weren't patched. Then get the passwords to the computers uh, to infect the ones that were patched. Yeah, I gotcha. Because they're all on the same network. So yeah. you just need an in. Yeah. And then you have vulnerability. the keys to everyone's castle. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Once infected, the system would display a ransom message similar to the one Petcha displayed. Hence the name. The Laughing Skull. <laughs> However, that data was never going to be decrypted. It destroyed the data, and there was no key to decrypt it. Bitches. Yeah, well, they weren't trying to get money. That no. wasn't the point. No. It was created to spread quickly 
and indiscriminately. Mm-hmm. Craig Williams, the director of outreach at Cisco's T- Talos division, uh, said to date, it was simply the fastest propagating piece of malware we've ever seen. This By the second you saw it, your data center was already gone. Somewhere, someone was running in their hoodie, sweating, unplugging everything. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Just ripping cords out of the walls. Yeah, no. Not, yeah. not somewhere. Yeah. Hundreds of huge yeah. companies, which yeah. we talk about. They're just shutting it down. So this started, we believe Ground Zero to be, a small data crunching company called the Linkos Group. From there, it moved to a bank in Ukraine right before Ukrainian Constitution Day, which is a big holiday weekend for Ukrainians. They always be doing this right on these big days. They do it. That, that's intentional. I know intentional. it's on purpose. I know it's on purpose. <laughs> Within 30 minutes of the first report to the bank, it had taken down 90% of the bank's information security or uh, information systems. Another bank's network went down in 45 seconds. Then it spread to Ukrainian government agencies. It spread to one of the main systems for public transit systems, and that was taken down in 16 seconds. Power companies were taken offline. In all, up to 90% of Ukrainian systems were taken offline. On a national, like, on a national scale, NotPetya was eating Ukraine's computer systems. Uh, It hit at least four hospitals in Kiev alone. It hit six power companies, two airports, 22 Ukrainian banks. ATMs and payment card systems didn't work. It hit transport and every federal agency in Ukraine. And there's a podcast I particularly love called The Darknet Diaries, where they do, frankly, a better job of explaining all of this than I do. <laughs> no, no they doing, do. I will, okay, no, but they you're do. doing They have very... actual researchers. Uh, You've so, done well, MK. Okay. Um, like... But, uh, so you should definitely, probably, definitely go check them out. Um, I love that guy. He's mm-hmm. amazing. Um, but they tell a story of a guy whose work gets shut down and he's in Ukraine and on the way home, he tries to get cash out of an ATM, but he can't. And he just thinks that there's something wrong with the mm-hmm. ATM. And then he goes to the train. So his work gets shut down from this gotcha. attack and he thinks, oh, it's just my work. Mm-hmm. So he gets sent home mm-hmm. and he swipes his ATM card. And it doesn't work. And mm-hmm. then he tries to go get on the train, and his transit card doesn't work. Mm. And then he gets home, and he finds that his grocery store isn't accepting plastic. And then the ATM by his house doesn't work either. Oh, And there's no. nothing he can do, and this was the case for thousands of Ukrainians. That's wild. Like, there's, you can't access anything this keeps up many a person in charge at night just so like thinking about this also like how to prevent it but also how to do it yep um you can pretend that your government wherever you may be is not trying to figure out how to do this to other governments but they are yeah um then in the ukrainian port city of odessa Mm -hmm. the international shipping magnate this is like the largest transit company in the world Mm -hmm. Uh, known as Maersk, okay. which is headquartered in Copenhagen, 
uh, had a single server online in the port city of Odessa in Ukraine. One server. Mm -hmm. This is the largest shipping magnate mm -hmm. on the planet. That was all not patching needed. It took down the system Maersk used for coordinating payments and shipments. Denmark is not going to be happy about this. <laughs> this reached all the way to ports in Elizabeth, New Jersey. Oh, no. Where lines of hundreds of truck drivers were unable to unload and reload their cargo. This impact. So this impacts ships in port. This impacts truckers. <laughs> everything. It's got a far reach. And Maersk did everything from delivering tractors to diapers to avocados. Like, they do it all. Mm -hmm. And they could move nothing. It, and at, at the back end of it, it ended up causing five months worth of delays. I'm still trying not to be impressed. <laughs> but I'm still like, damn. And this was the case. That's crazy. All across the globe for this company. This is a global company. You know, this would, I'm, when I say impressed, I mean, a, like, the, the whoever wrote this was a, was a person who was incredibly, like, their expertise on on to writing and like doing this was and would have been very good. I mean now write, it, now it may be like something that anybody can do because yeah. 2016 well, technology was fast and it's available to study. But at the time, I'm certain well, that this was yeah. And I mean, it came March, May, June. So between March when the exploit was released to June. Mm -hmm. That's that's only three months that they're he put all to. of this together. Yeah, I'm saying he, and I guess that's rather unfair it may have of me. Been a lady. That's, that's true. rather they. unfair of me. Well, they um, them. yeah, they. But uh, yeah, three months to put this together mm -hmm. with Mimikets. like that's, and it could have been it, and I'm, and when we say they, it could have been somebody who was a, a person, or it could have been a group. Yeah. Um, well, so they think yeah, it, it, it was, was that, that Russian one group. Yeah, and it, so it could be a group of of people who are very good at what they do. Um, to deploy this. Yeah, so this is the thing. Uh, Sadly, yeah, for we don't have friends. it here. Um, when governments <laughs> invest a lot of money into supporting their cyber warriors, yeah, you get really you get good results. And also, I don't support this part of it when you motivate them by saying, well, kill your family if yeah. you suck at your job. Yeah. That's a different kind of motivation that we don't really know here, hopefully. Um, um, but, but yeah, our best people are not at the government, y'all. They're not at the government, and the best governmental people aren't for our government. They're, they're in Israel, frankly. But, um, and they can't sit at the same table with the hackers from Russia and China. I'm sorry. Yeah, no. The people at our government. We have good, we just as good people at, at doing what those people but, in Russia and China do, but they don't work for the government. Yeah, and I think so. But also, I, I firmly believe that the more money you throw at something, the better it gets. And when you have the entire disposal of a military budget. One, like, maybe, say, spends more than the next seven well, countries Well, no, not combined. that one. We don't have that at our disposal. <laughs> uh, um, but we could. We could. But also, U.S. had a rule. I think we just changed the law in, like, maybe 2020. We were only allowed to do defensive hacking as a country. Like, at, from the military, we were not allowed to perform offensive hacking. Uh, I'll go by saying... Uh, by the rules. I was gonna... <laughs> by the rules. I was gonna say I'm gonna we say under, by, We uh... all understand openly. 
that's bullshit. Yeah. But on paper, based on what I'm going to cover in a few if minutes, if you're not that's in a three-letter agency, <laughs> like military-sponsored, if you're not a part of a three-letter agency, yeah. you're doing only defense. Yeah. Um. But defense only. Yeah. Um. Okay. So, <laughs> Maersk. <sighs> The company had to go completely offline to salvage what data they could. So pull everything. And like, this what this why is me because if you think about how supply chains work, yeah, this has destroyed so much of it. This is why our nuclear programs are run on eight-inch floppy disks. Oh, they're on the, the. Oh, that's one of the things I forgot to put in here. What? This reached to Chernobyl's monitoring facility. Ooh, which <laughs> I assume was updated from the eighties. That's too bad, actually. Yeah, if yeah, it hadn't been, they probably would have been yeah, fine. they would have been fine. Yeah. But they were not. Um, but that is why all of our stuff It was is... just coded in Fortran. We... <laughs> yeah, but that is why all of our power systems and stuff a lot are, of them are so... So... Fun. Well, that, and oh. if you go to update it and something goes wrong, you have problems. <laughs> <In> Houston. Um, <laughs> but um, to quote a Wired article, it was a clusterfuck of clusterfucks. <laughs> Actually, frankly, a lot of this comes from this Wired article. Excellent yeah. article. It'll be in the show notes. Please check it out. Mm-hmm. Um, the days after, um, literally every IT person in Maersk's expansive reach was working round the clock. If yeah. they slept, they were sleeping under their desks. Mm-hmm. Um, they were able to locate one uncorrupted domain controller that they could safely run on. (laughs) It was in Ghana. That's gluing a couple popsicle sticks together and hoping to make a fire. (laughs) At some point before Not Petcha hit, a power outage had knocked it offline Mm -hmm. and it hadn't been brought back online. Oh, wow. Engineers attempted to set up a virtual connection but it's Ghana, so the bandwidth couldn't support the hundreds of gigs that needed to be transported. Mm -hmm. So they were like, well, great, we'll just fly one of the guys from Ghana to London. Mm -hmm. Except none of the people in Ghana had a British visa. (laughs) So they had to arrange basically a relay race. Uh So a staff member from the Ghana office flew to Nigeria to meet another (laughs) Maersk employee to hand off the physical hard drive that that staff member then boarded a six and a, six and a half hour flight to Heathrow, Ooh. carrying the keystone of Maersk's entire hope for recovery. Mm-hmm. Which is insane. And this is why you store stuff uh, in another place. Uh, so this is why. Safely. Yeah. Hard disk. <laughs> Yeah. Well, not even hard disk, but like but an alternate. You, you yeah. have your backup stored in a separate location and also you perform backups because if you say don't want to pay the ransomware for your encryption, even if it is a legit thing where they will give you the money for paying yeah. or you give them the money and then they give you the key to decrypt it. If you don't want to do that, your other solution is to fall back to an uncompromised backup of your system mm-hmm. that you have and just install from that point and deal with the week or so of data loss that you right. have. Rather than and an offsite data backup is going to be your one of your best bets, but yes. a lot of the times you've got people who are working completely in the cloud, so they're working on and so God forbid anything ever happened to Azure Amazon. or Am- Amazon because even if you have geo redundancy, seeing uh, you have something like this, it's you're done. That's all your data still. Yep, that's your backup. Yep, 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 yep. <laughs> um, so all in all, this company was down fully. 
for about two weeks. Mm -hmm. It cost Maersk $300 million for two weeks. That's a lot of money. Um, other companies this shit got expensive for, uh-huh. the pharmaceutical giant Merck, not to be confused with Maersk, mm-hmm. uh, lost $870 million because yeah. of this. TNT Express, a subsidiary of FedEx, lost $400 million. The parent company of Nabisco and Cadbury lost $188 million worth of Cadbury eggs. Let's see, not my eggs! <laughs> not, not my Easter eggs! They started making them come out for Christmas now, too, because we all can't wait one year. <laughs> they're, just, well, they're just red, white, and uh, green. What? Red, white, and goo? Good, yeah. <laughs> um, a company that I assume took a note from Bix manufacturing process... They make Lysol and Durex condoms. <laughs> they want you safe. Lost $129 million. All in all, it's estimated that this ended up causing about $10 billion with a B in losses globally. We're talking James Bond money. <laughs> yeah, James B. Bond billion <laughs> dollars money. Um. And one week after the first infection, Ukrainian police in full SWAT gear showed up at the Linkos Group company. And this is, to be clear, a small software company (laughs) of, like, not a lot of people. Yeah. They pointed rifles at the employees, lined them up in the hallway, according to the company's founder, Alicia Linick. On the second floor, next to her office, armored cops smashed open the door to the server room with a metal baton, despite her offer with a key to unlock it. I'll just go ahead and open that for you. (laughs) It was an absurd situation, she said with a deep, exasperated breath. You could see how she would feel that way. They bagged up the offending servers and took them away, never to be seen again. It was very dramatic. And that is um, the the very, very, very high level, very summed up, very overview of. Well, yeah, not, we don't have the not time. Petcha. We could give, we could do a series on, um, on that. Yeah. Like, you know, we, we you know. We, if you we, want a... to hear someone who I believe has like researched, someone who I think wrote a, literally wrote a book on it. And then one of my favorite podcast hosts, uh, check out the Darknet Diaries. It's episode. 54, not Petya. Um, one of my favorite episodes of that podcast. Ooh, I don't think I listen but... to the podcast. I, but to be fair, I don't really listen to podcasts anymore. Like, ever since I started working from home, I only ever listened to podcasts when I was in the car. Yeah. So it's very difficult for me to, like, listen to podcasts now. I, I started listening to them when I'm, like, walking at the gym. Yeah, um, that makes sense. Because I stopped killing myself on the elliptical and just started walking uphill on an incline. Um, and when you're killing yourself on an elliptical, you have to have fast-paced music or yeah. you will want to hurt yourself. Um, but if you're just walking at an incline... Which you did one time. You were like, I, I'm I, just going to break my foot on this elliptical and I'll never I did. have to come I got back. a stress fracture because I'm built like Because you was stressed. I'm built like an 80-year-old <laughs> woman. But uh, if you are just walking at an incline, it turns out you can just leisurely listen to a podcast. All right. Like, you can just put on a podcast and All right. listen to it. Um, but yeah, I love uh, Darknet Diaries and it 
like still listen to our, you know, less well-researched podcast, please. But uh, if you want a well-researched nerd security tech based pod, check out Darknet Diaries. Anyway, I'm done fangirling for them. You're fine. No, please. We're here to lift each other up, us podcasters. Um, I don't think that man knows who we are, but that's okay. Maybe he could. He's also one of the only podcasts I listen to that has a male host. That dude's cool. <laughs> uh, so my story for the day, I'm going to be using a few terms that I had to learn the definitions of in college. So I'm not going to expect everyone to know them offhand. I love that we both were like, let's start with some definitions <laughs> yeah. this week. If you knew, if you do know the definitions, look at you, you smart cookie. Uh But if you're like me in college, I'm going to give you a few definitions before we get started. First term, computer worm. A computer worm is a type of malware that can propagate or self-replicate without the intervention of any human interference. As an example, uh, there are some viruses that can be downloaded onto your computer, like a ransomware. Um, And it just kind of hangs out on your computer. It doesn't go anywhere else. Uh, You can get these by clicking on an infected attachment, an email, or... If you visit a hub of different websites, uh, but it... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, y'all dirty. Uh, but again, it's only on your device. Uh, a computer worm can infect your device in a similar way uh, by getting you to click on something you shouldn't. Uh, but it doesn't just stay on your computer. It can worm its way through whatever network you're on and infect every device on the network. Um, Or say you clicked an email attachment. If the worm was coded to do this, it could access your email contact list and send the same email to all of your contacts with the same attachment um, that they can click on and the virus can continue on in that way. And uh, what was that? Wasn't that the I love you worm that did that? It was like one of the first, it was like when they were, and I think that one of the first worms ever when computers were first uh, being invented, I think uh, uh, it was, it was one, there was one that the guy was just trying to figure out how many people were on the internet. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it was, ended oh, up it was shutting down name, wasn't it? Something like that. And just ended up shutting down. It was like stuff. the Doug or something <laughs> awful. I don't know. What yeah. was it? Or the I Steve? I don't know. Oh, um, that's going to bother me now. It's okay. It's um, in there. I'm going to wake up at like 4 a.m. and be like, ah, <laughs> oh, it's the Clinton. <laughs> um, another term is a zero-day attack or vulnerability. This is pretty straightforward. When we see a zero-day attack, it means it's the first time we've seen this attack used in the wild. Uh, there are pretty good catalogs of known malware exploits, um, but every once in a while, there'll be something new that someone has written up. So, like when I was talking about earlier, we had, uh, I had to create the WannaCry, I had to download um, a version of Windows that would have been exploitable. And then I think I was, I think I went to like a public GitHub site. Uh, I think it was in GitHub, and it was something like called the Zoo, and it's like a catalog of viruses that you can download mm-hmm. and fuck with. Uh, but they're in a zipped version. If you unzip it, that is at your peril. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we had to do that in my um, ethical hacking class, and then I literally have not done that since. <laughs> yeah. So, and that was in 2018. Yeah. Um, so it's been a few years for me. Yeah. But. Um, so those are a couple terms that you're going to hear throughout my story. Um, and without further, further ado, uh, today I'm covering the story of Stuxnet. Get ready for nightmares. (laughs) 
Stuxnet was identified and reported in 2010, a dark time for us all, um, although it had been in development since 2005. Uh, Stuxnet 0.5 MCD13 is the first known version of Stuxnet. In January 2010, inspectors visiting the Natanz uranium enrichment plant in Iran noticed that its centrifuges were failing at an unprecedented rate. They could not discover the cause for the failure at that time. At this time, many international authorities believed uh, that Iran was developing nuclear weapons at the Nantes site. Their uranium enrichment centrifuges were separating bomb-grade uranium-235 isotopes from the more plentiful U-238 isotopes. Um, but every time they were turned on, they spun faster than they were supposed to, causing them to get out of control to the point of damaging them and the centrifuges were down. Uh, the researchers became increasingly frustrated <laughs> and confused and absolutely could not figure out what the fuck was happening. Everything was configured right. Nothing should be going wrong. Little did they know, there were some hostile actors at large within their centrifuges. After five months, researchers found malicious files in one of the systems. It turns out that every time the machines were turned on, the malware directly targeted the computers that controlled the speed of the centrifuges and would cause them to spin out of control until the machine broke. The malware was so well programmed, the researchers at the plant could do very little to stop it. Um, but so that, that's basically what it did. But how did it do what it did? And how did it get there? Um, to put it briefly, Stuxnet is a powerful computer worm. Um, it also it is also reportedly the largest and costliest of this type of malware. Um, it exploited the previously unknown Windows, sorry Windows, zero day vulnerabilities to infect target systems and spread to other systems. The virus was used. Uh, just in... over here, just aggressively shitting on Windows today. I know. Um, I this virus was used in the case to target, or in this case, to target the centrifuges of, of Iran's uranium, uranium enrichment facilities. However, however, what's wrong with me? However, cyber attackers have modified it over time and adapted it to target other facilities, such as power plants and gas pipes. Uh, Stuxnet is a highly sophisticated and intrusive piece of malware. However, it is also carefully designed to affect to only affect targets with specific configurations and cause minimum damage to other devices. As targeted nuclear facilities were air-gapped and isolated from the global network, Stuxnet was most likely transmitted via USB sticks carried inside the facility by agents. Uh, so real quick, USB attacks are a pretty common mode of attack to get malware into a network or device. There's actually a whole series of cases of lost and found USB device attacks. One of the most famous was in 2008 with an attack that was known as the worm that ate the Pentagon. <laughs> uh, the worst breach of U.S. military computers in history. <laughs> uh, and, it began, and it began in a parking lot um, at a U.S. military installation in the Middle East when a flash drive infected with a virus called Agent.BTZ was inserted into a uh, Department of Defense computer network and it quickly spread through the U.S. military's classified and unclassified networks. Data 
Anything on these networks could now be transferred to other servers under the control of the creator. Uh, the worst part is no one knew it was there. Uh, what it might have sent and to who the information went is unknown. Um, I love that for us. Yeah. Once in place. The also, code... please don't just plug in random USBs yeah, that you yep. find lying on the ground. Yes. Throw them away. <laughs> Buy a new one. They are $5. <laughs> yep. Once in place, the code began to beacon out to its creator, letting whoever created it know that it was in place and ready ready for further instructions. And they weren't able to track where the beacon was sent? <laughs> I guess not. Well, I guess it's 2000. That, that's yeah. That's the only way that analysts at the NSA's uh, Advanced Networks Operations Team noticed it was there. <laughs> um, at the height of the global war on terror, the Pentagon's Defense Intelligent Networks had been compromised. And this isn't the only attacks of its kind. There is a disturbing amount of USB or flash drive devices that are found, and the person who found them will plug them into their device to see what was on them. So just as a PSA, if you ever find a lost USB, go ahead and uh, leave it alone or throw it in the trash. You don't need it. Um, what do you need it for? <laughs> you don't. You don't. Don't be nosy. Um, Mind your business. <laughs> but getting back to the Stuxnet, Stuxnet attack, uh, the nuclear facility was air-gapped from the local global network, which means uh, it's a computer or internal network that has no direct connection to the internet or any other computer that's connected to the internet. So it's very likely that in order to get Stuxnet into the nuclear facility, there was some kind of USB attack, whether it was a lost and found incident or an intentional uh, incident from an inside actor. Um, like a spy. <laughs> I don't know. Um, once Iran found... It's actually just James Bond. Exactly. Um, once Iran found out that they had been attacked, the next obvious question was, who done it? Um, while no country has officially admitted to creating Stuxnet, it is widely believed that the U.S. and Israel jointly developed the worm. Stuxnet was the first virus to cause the physical destruction of infected devices. It also severely crippled Iran's nuclear program. The, the Natanz facility was temporarily shut down, and Iran's um, attempt to obtain enough U-235 isotopes to build a nuclear weapon was delayed by what experts estimate was months or even years. The malware was also accidentally spread beyond the limits of Iran's nuclear facilities due to its aggressive nature, though luckily it didn't cause much damage to external devices outside of the original target areas. But there is no proof to point conclusively in one way or another as to the real authors of Stuxnet. Um, the question of who made the worm and who targeted it on Natanz is still a much debated mystery in the IT and espionage community. One prime suspect has been Israel, um, which is known to be open to using unconventional tactics to defend itself uh, against what it regards as a existential threat. And Israel, like Israeli hackers are- Very good. Some of the best. Incredibly very good. Um, the New York Times published a story that pointed to US-Israeli cooperation on Stuxnet but with Israel's role highlighted by the assertion that a file was buried within the Stuxnet worm um, that contained an indirect reference to Esther, a Jewish biblical heroine, whom we have covered. I highly encourage you to listen to that episode. Um, Wild but, Women of History, the yep. first one. Check it out. Um, yeah. But would the Israelis really have left such an obvious signature of their involvement? 
uh, cyber weapons are usually wiped of any identifying marks, so there's no obvious place for retaliation. So why would Israel put its signature in a cyber virus? Um, on the other hand, was the signature an attempt to frame the Israelis? On the other, other hand, was it possible... How many hands you got? I don't know. <laughs> it was possible that the Israelis had indeed planted it, hoping that it would lead to the conclusion that someone else had built it and was trying to frame them. That's very... That's a big loop of what-ifs. Um, I feel like at that point, wouldn't you just program everything in Russia and be like, yep, Right, I don't know. Goodbye. I don't know. Um, so, while the individual... Individu uh, in what the hell? While the individual engineers behind Stuxnet haven't been identified... We know that they were very skilled um, and that there were likely a lot of them. Uh, Kaspersky Lab estimated that it took the team uh, of at least 10 coders to, uh, to do this over two to three years to create the worm in its final form. Um, oh, that's so miserable. <laughs> coding for two to three years on the same project with, with other people. people? Yeah, I'd rather put my foot in the fire. And then overwriting someone's code. Oh, I hate it. <laughs> I hate it. That makes my hands sweaty <laughs> for whoever worked on that. Yeah. American, Israeli. <laughs> Together, I don't know whatever. where you're from. Um, you have my sympathy. Like, don't, um, like, don't stop hacking people. But also... They were told to. Fall in order, sir. <laughs> so were the Nazis. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to compare the people who made sex net to the Nazis. No. Um, no, but, but yes. still, I yeah. feel for them though. Like, yeah. damn, that's a long people. time so, to have some governments breathing down your neck to get their shit done. I'm like, I would, but Kyle keeps eating my yogurt, so you need to talk and to him. Eating my semicolons. <laughs> oh, I would. <laughs> I would kick Kyle's uh, wheelie chair from underneath. <laughs> It's worse because Kyle's in a wheelchair. <laughs> we are ADA compliant here. This podcast. Um, Richard Clark, who served three presidents as the National Coordinator for Security, Infrastructure Protection, and Counterterrorism for the United States, uh, says one reason to believe the Stuxnet attack was made by the USA was, quote, it very much had the feel to it of having been written or governed by a team of Washington lawyers. Which is very funny. Um, oh, I just thought it started playing Born in the USA. <laughs> <laughs> it's just... Yes. Um, oh, no. Because he'd I'm sat sorry. through... It's fine. <laughs> because he'd sat through a lot of meetings with Washington government, Pentagon, CIA, and NSA-type lawyers going over covert action proposals. He said... The lawyers want to make sure that they very much limit the effects of the action so there's no collateral damage. Um, he, walks, he walks through exactly what Stuxnet did. Um, so he's like, what does it do? As soon as it gets into the network, it wakes up. It verifies that it's in the right net network by saying, am I in a network that's running a SCADA control, software control system, um, which is a, a thing that runs like energy. Don't worry about it. Just, it's asking, is it, is it there? Um, if it says, if the answer is yes, second question, is it running uh, Siemens, uh, which is the German manufacturer of the Iranian plant control? Siemens is like a pretty well-known technical company. Mm -hmm. They used um, to make phones. Uh, they they used still phones. do. Yeah. So then it asks, is it running this? And it says yes. Okay. Third question, is it running Siemens 7, a genre of that software? Um, and 
if it says yes. And the fourth question is, is this software contra uh, contacting an electrical motor made by one of two companies? If the answer is yes to that, then it can only be in one place, the Nantown's facility. Um, in a Vice article interviewing Clark, the reporter brought up some good points about Stuxnet and its potential continuing impact. Um, the reporter said, there are reports of the Stuxnet worms showing up all over the cyber world after getting loose from the Iranian networks. Uh, Clark then answered by saying that it got loose because there was a mistake. It's clear that lawyers went over it and gave Stuxnet what's called in the IT business a time to live, Do which basically means it does the job commits suicide, and disappears. No more damage, uh, collateral or otherwise. Um, so there was a time to live built into Stuxnet to avoid violating international law against collateral damage, say, to the Iranian electrical grid. And it didn't work. Time to live... The TTL didn't work in it? Mm-mm. Ooh. He assumes, where he's guessing, uh, but he's assuming this is why it got loose. Um, time to live operates off a date on your computer. But... If you're in China or Iran or someplace where you're running bootleg software that you've been paid for, oh. your date on your computer might be 1998 or something otherwise um, that the bootleg 30-day trial time to live software would ex um, that would expire, um, which is one theory. Uh, but in any event, it got out. Um, it ran around the world and infected lots of things, but didn't do any damage because every time it woke up in a computer and asked itself those four questions. Um, Unless you were running uranium nuclear centrifuges, it wasn't going to hurt you. So it's possible that spread far further than anyone's aware of. Mm -hmm. All right. But now you have it. And if you're a computer whiz, you can take it apart and you can say, okay, let's change this and that. And now you've got a very, very sophisticated weapon. Um, and thousands of people around the world have it and are playing with it. And the best cyber weapon that the United States has ever developed has been given to the world for free. You're welcome. And uh, that is my story. And they say freedom <laughs> isn't free, guys. <laughs> yes, it is. Concludes my story on Stuxnet. I love it. Yeah. Um. That's wild. Yeah. Hopefully, whoever's messing with it is an agent of good. Um. I did. <laughs> not, but... look, no. <laughs> No, you know it's not. It's no. not Mr. Rogers out there. Now packing. someone's over there having to work with Kyle again to see how they can, like, patch for stuff. I hope they got him back in his wheelchair <laughs> after he kicked it out from under him. Don't Poor Kyle. Don't ever steal my yogurt again, Kyle. No, it was you. I saw the tracks. <laughs> um, I googled Mimi Cats real quick, uh, which is <laughs> more work than I did writing that episode. Um, it does scrape passwords and clear text. Okay. But I think it's a thing that's like inherent to Windows because the last thing I heard about it is that like it was still a readily like available problem in most Windows machines. That's, you just hash it. <laughs> you could try. You just do that. Well, yeah. Yeah, yeah. you could. You well, could just hash it. That's what you're supposed to do. It should never have passwords in plain text, guys. Yeah. Uh, plain text just means you can read it, by the yeah. way. Like it's, just, human, it's human readable. Although at this point, hashing just adds an extra step because all of the databases using that encryption method have, like, 
hash is readily available of all the passwords, and then you're just comparing. Yeah, well, don't make your password password. Um, so there's that. So yeah, I mean, yeah, they could potentially do that, or they can do a, a better like we job do, of encryption. We do that for our passwords at work every month. Everyone's password hash gets compared, and then if they crack your password, you have to change your password. Good. But that's like a thing that we like actively do at work. Good. But um, um yeah. So that's. Yep. That's, but I enjoyed this episode. This was fun. Was it was fun. fun putting some of the knowledge in and getting some stuff, retrieving some things I hadn't thought about since college. And I feel like in like several of my classes, uh, in some of the first pages of the textbooks, they would go over these particular, um, like the biggest well-known attacks. Mm-hmm. Wanna Cry, the I Love You virus, uh, this Stuxnet. Um, and uh, the we one could that... Make- let us know if you guys like this one, if you want to hear this more, like, especially Patreoners and stuff. Like, yeah, Because we can... could make this a series, but also if you guys are asleep right now, good night. Uh, but <laughs> There's also a comment feature now on Spotify. Oh, um, like yeah. Like, for each episode. So if you want to hear more about this, you can look on Sp- you can go on Spotify and, and, and do a comment. We can see that. Um, yeah, let us know if there's something that you're interested in, or and if you it's can just have... a couple of nerds talking about some shit they learned in college. Yeah, or um, we can go back to, like, regular history stuff. Let us know what you want to hear. We're here for you, both, the people. But yeah, you know. Yeah, but we've got but, a couple of series. Yeah, we've we got, could... like, Wild Women of History. We've got Na- Damn Nature, You Scary. We've got Wild, Wild Wars. This could be one of them. So, yeah, guys. Uh, whew. That was a good one. Uh, but, uh, yeah, we're over an hour, so we get, we gotta go. We got shit to do. Yeah. Goodbye. Um, good night. So long. Farewell. We look forward. We look forward to talking with you next time. Uh, but in the meantime, you can find us on our Patreon. Um, again, thank you, Alicia, for becoming a Patreon. Um, and if you have any suggestions, your suggestions go right to the top. And you can also find us on our Instagram at forward slash history woes, where you can find our link tree and listen to our podcast wherever your podcasts are streaming. And we'll talk to you next time, guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.